Hello, I'm Garni Barkajarian of the Pacific Neuroscience Institute and CNS member for more than 10 years. What I love most about being a member is access to cutting edge science and the opportunities that have advanced my career. I've also gained new colleagues and lifelong friends. Being a CNS member has been so rewarding. The value of membership cannot be defined by a number. Join me and the over 10,000 neurosurgeons who are making a difference in the world. Visit cns.org slash membership podcast today. All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, welcome this morning to our CNS Optimizing Neurosurgery podcast. We have a great topic today and some great expert panelists. Uh, my name is Scott Zuckerman. I'm an assistant professor of neurosurgery and orthopedic surgery at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. I'm joined by my phenomenal co-host, Lara Massey. Hi, thanks very much, Scott. I'm an assistant professor at Drexel University, and I practice at Allegheny Health Network in Pittsburgh. And we're joined by some excellent panelists today. You want to kick it off? Yeah, yeah. So our topic today, we always we try and find topics germane to all neurosurgeons, something that affects all of us in practice, whether you're a skull-based surgeon, spine, functional. And today's topic is active listening, really the art of listening, which is something that is is important in everything we do, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, in the operating room or clinic. Uh, so to help us with this topic, we have two phenomenal um, panelists here, um, Elin Khan and Reed Thompson. And I'll take a second to introduce them. Uh, Elin is a uh, great friend, uh, former medical school classmate. He's now a neurosurgeon and staff neurosurgeon at Trinity Health in Ann Arbor and Chelsea Hospital in Michigan. Uh, and then we have Dr. Reed Thompson, uh, who is chairman of nurse, the neurosurgery department at Vanderbilt University Medical Center and um, was a early mentor to both Elon and I when we were in medical school. Um, so we're really happy to have you both on and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Happy to be here. Yeah, so we'll, we'll start off with a couple of questions here. Um, so just the topic of active listening, as I said, it's, it's important in everything we do. So in, you know, as a neurosurgeon, especially, um, teaching and educating, things like that. You're in a variety of settings, students, residents, operating room, clinic. In what situations do, do you, Elin, in what situations do you think it's important to be an active listener in, in whatever uh, phase of your job you're in? What's most important to be an active listener? Yeah, yeah. So great question and great topic. <clears throat> um, I think maybe it'd be helpful just for the listeners to back up for a second and kind of state what we mean by active listening. Um, so, you know, there's listening and which we do all the time, but then active listening, I think is something uh, a little bit different and, and something that we want to, uh, aspire to a little bit more. So, you know, in anticipation of this podcast, I did extensive in-depth research, <laughs> which is to say that I watched a couple of YouTube videos and there's, there's one, uh, guy who who makes pretty good videos that, that I would recommend if, if anybody's interested in um, learning more. His name's Alex Lyon. I, I've never met the guy. I don't know anything about him other than the fact that I've I've seen a couple of his videos and and he's just very good, very concise and, and gives great um, uh, advice on, on this topic for anybody who's interested. Um, but he he mentions and you know basically defines active listening, which again I think might be helpful for folks listening to this podcast. And so the one thing that he states as key, kind of essential to active listening is, in his word, commitment. And so, in other words, uh, being intentional about listening. So going into an interaction with the idea that that 
um, you are, you know, with certainty, um, and you've decided that you're going to be listening in this interaction. Um, and then he defines four components of active listening. Uh, one is nonverbal communication. So that, you know, might be nodding or eye contact or even just body posture. Um, one is verbal communication, um, which, you know, I think when, when I, you know, before I started uh, looking into this a little bit, um, just that word active listening um, for me brought to mind uh, this technique of, you know, responding with, with um, affirm, you know, affirmatory uh, utterances like, mm-hmm, yeah, yes, I see this kind of thing. But he goes a little bit further. And, and when he talks about verbal communication as a component of active listening, he talks about asking relevant questions and asking follow-up questions. Um, and so I think that's, uh, that's a you know an important aspect of active listening, as he defines it, and then he also talks about informed responses. So again, when you're asking follow-up questions, they're not just uh, unrelated, or or they're not just related to what you want to hear, what you want to know, but they're actually um, relevant to what the the speaker has already said. Um, and then the last. The fourth component of active listening uh, in his description is simply to let the other person talk. So rather than waiting for your turn to talk, um, you're you're going in again with a commitment to let the other person talk, give them that opportunity um, before jumping in and, and taking over the conversation. Um, so with all that said, what was your question? <laughs> you weren't listening. <laughs> right, exactly. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. I've already Reed. failed. Well, I mean, that's the perfect introduction. What do you think, Reed? What what settings are most important? Um, uh, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity just to talk about a topic that I think is really, really important. And, and it spans, as you said, Scott, in your introduction, you know, our professional lives, you know, and our personal lives. And I think Elon did a great job of summarizing, you know, the bigger picture of what is listening. What I was thinking, uh, what I was thinking about uh, listening, immediately what popped into my head is, we think about uh, we have different roles, you know, as neurosurgeons. Um, one of the roles that we have, at least one of the roles I have, is as a parent. And um, one of the hardest lessons I've learned as a parent is to listen to my kids, because as Elon said, there's a voice in your head always going off. You know, you have the voice of experience. You know, you've been through this before. You're going to solve their problem. And you're going to just talk right over them. But the key thing, what I've learned as a parent is that your kids just need you often to listen to them. You're not going to solve their problems. They just need you to, as you said, Elon, to nod, affirm, and go, mm, man, that's, oh, that's really hard. Uh, you know, wow, I hear that. Mm. Instead of just launching in, you know, you know, you've got the solution to the problem, right? But uh, boy, that was a tough lesson to learn. And I, I learned it actually from my wife, Lorraine, who said, you know, the kids need you to, to listen, you know, to be present. And it leads me into another concept that I want to talk about. And I hope, I hope we can have some time to delve into it because um, a few years ago, one of my residents challenged me to give a talk on mindfulness. And I thought, what, what kind of topic is that? You know, what, what, what's up with that? But the more I started learning about mindfulness, the more I realized how powerfully important it is for us as neurosurgeons to understand that concept. Because mindfulness, what it is, as defined very simply, is being 
completely aware, having an awareness of awareness, if you will, being in the moment, being in the zone. It's something that we all practice in the operating room, because I like to say surgery is an act of pure mindfulness, but it's really being aware. As Elon was saying, you know, being present, um, uh, be making time. Um, there's so many concepts about mindfulness that I think are relevant to a discussion about active listening. So I hope that we can have a chance to talk a little bit about that. But but I do think that, um, first of all, I would say no one's an expert in this, you know, and so it's daunting to think about, uh, you know, where do you start? You know, we all may think that we're good listeners, but the reality is, is that, um, as Elon said, you need to be intentional about it, you need to be focused um, and, and really recognize that it's something that you can, you can learn to do. Like we've all learned how to do neurosurgery. We didn't just show up in medical school knowing how to, how to you know, do spine surgery or brain tumor surgery. We've learned that. And we learned it by an active process of being intentional, of study, of mastery, um, talking about it, discussing it. That's why this podcast is so important. So lots to talk about there. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head with it. I mean, it's, you know, as a neurosurgeon, we get used to that flow state in the OR. And then when we come out of there, I think there are, you know, you you pick up your phone and there's how many notifications. And so, um, and uh, ha- then you're you're trying to then give your dedication to whatever seems to be the most important of those. And I find that whatever was not the most important of those might be something I acknowledge and then completely forget to ever do something with it. So remembering to maintain that active listening and get back to people about those things are important. But what are things that you guys do with, even through the day with, you know, you're, you're speaking to a PA or a resident who's giving you a presentation in clinic, but your phone's going off or you hear an email dinging. How do you manage those other sources of input through your day? to like when you're actually engaged with someone, how do you stay focused on on the conversations you're having electronically versus live? <laughs> Elon, what do you think? Yeah, so for, for me, as, as much as possible, um, I set my phone aside. You know, I'll, if I'm in a meeting, I'll, I'll turn notifications off and I'll turn the phone upside down on the table so I don't, I don't see things come in. Um, you know, it's obviously a different story if I'm on call and and there there may be an, an urgent message, in which case I'll, um, you know, either just check my phone frequently when when it's appropriate, or um, or I may obviously have to leave notifications on in, in a case like that. But in general, and particularly when I'm talking to patients, you know, I I don't bring my phone into the room with me, or if I do, it's in my back pocket and I'm I'm not looking at it, um, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's really helpful. You know, I think about the concept of time in, in neurosurgery, and we've talked about it as time just evaporates in the operating room and we're in this flow state. But but understanding time and really making time are sort of important concepts, I think, in listening, because you really have to make time to to really focus and, and listen. And as we've been talking about, avoiding sort of the constant distractions, the constant barrage you know, and, and I think it's really something that we can all begin to, to master as we, as, as you've said, I mean, when we go on rounds, you know, don't be looking at your phone. I mean, honestly, we really spend very limited amount of time with our patients, for example, when we're rounding. I always do this thing with the residents where I say, well, how much time do you think we spend in a room, you know, on rounds? So, oh, boss, you know, 10 minutes. So I'm like, 10 minutes? We don't spend two minutes 
And then and they say, oh, come on. And I'll say, okay, well, let's let's do a let's do an experiment. Let's sit here for two minutes and not say a word. Let's just be silent. Ready, go. You know, like after 10 seconds, you're just your skin is crawling. And so the reality <laughs> is we don't have much time and we need to make the time. And during that time, that limited time, we need to be absolutely focused. That's again that concept of mindfulness, you know, being completely aware of of the situation and being present for people, you know, and I think, I think that one of the, it's really hard, you know, it's not an easy thing. One of the other things that, that comes to mind is that we need to, I think, allow, we're so pressured, you know, so much pressure during the day. There's so many things coming at us that it's really hard to breathe for a minute, to take some time and also be comfortable a little bit with some silence, you know, because when you're having a conversation with someone and you inject just a moment of silence, everyone sort of stops for a second, like, wait a whoa. And, and I think it's a signal in some way that, that you are present, you know, um, that you're gonna take, you're gonna slow things down just a little bit and, and take some time, take the time that you need. And, and, and then finally, you know, one of the other things that comes to mind is that, is that one of the hardest things for me, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is that I always feel like I have something to say, like something important, like, wow, I'm, you know, I just turned 60. I've got all this experience built up. I've, I've been there, done, seen this happen, you know, and, and there's so many things I just want to say, but um, you just have to kind of understand that that voice is going off in your head. You need to shut it off for a minute because people need to be able to speak and you need to be able to hear them. And that takes time and it takes energy. It takes focus, attention. And as you said, Elon, in the beginning, intentionality. And it's yeah. something I think that you have to master. You don't have to work at it. It's not easy. I think it's a great point, uh, Reed. I mean, if you really think about full 100% listening, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. You have to clear your mind. You're looking the person directly in the eye. You're really hanging on every word that he or she is saying. So so we'll start, start with you, Reed. You seem to be very impassioned currently. So we'll go with you and then Elon. Tell me about a time where you thought you nailed it. You went into a situation and maybe you thought the patient or the resident or the colleague was going to say something, but you listened and you kind of said, wait, I, I may have this wrong. But tell me about a time you listened really well. And then tell me about a time where you missed the boat. You totally oh, just were in your own I, world I, and not paying attention and not listening. Yeah, I think I've missed the boat more than, more than, 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 a, you know, hit the mark. But, you know, I, I, I think that, um, I remember a case where I had a patient referred to me with a really rare diagnosis uh, that I'd never heard of uh, before, tumor-induced osteomalacia, TIO. And, and at any rate, you know, TIO, busy clinic, and, you know, Scott, you know this case. And uh, anyway, you know, I was about to walk in the room, you know, and just because this patient had a very small meningioma and just tell them, you know, that it was meningioma. Yeah, you know, this is a meningioma. We just need to follow it. But I think what, what, what happened was, is I just paused for a minute. And I took a minute to, 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 to listen to the patient, their history, uh, to the referring doctor, and then, then dive in and figure out, like, I didn't know anything about this disease. And when I looked it up, I realized that there was this small tumor, this mesenchymal tumor that looks like a meningioma. It's only been reported like four times in the skull base. And if you take it out, you, there's a chance to cure this patient. So it was just an example of, I was about to walk in the room and say, I don't know what you have, but it looks like, you know, guard variety meningioma, but, but listening, taking time, you know, stopping, uh, you know, I ch completely changed my focus. And I, I, I said, you know, to the, listening to them, 
I think we should actually take this out. Anyway, it was transformational for him because it was a cure for him for this rare thing. I imagine that's harder to do the more experience you have. You've been well, doing this 23 years. It was very, like very humbling. But I think it's this, again, is this concept of just slowing down for a minute. We live in such a fast paced world. Um, it, you know, I, I think the other thing is, is that reflect, if, if you will, on times when you felt that you were actually heard by somebody, whether it's your boss or your family or your spouse or your kids, you know, and how did that make you feel? You know, like what, it feels really good uh, if you're on the receiving end of someone who's an active listener. I mean, it, you know, if you've ever had a chance to talk to, you know, a therapist or a psychiatrist or whatever, it feels really good because they're basically listening to you speak. And, and so sometimes it's, it's really important to keep that in mind too. You know, um, people need to be heard. Um, and, you know, again, you know, so many times where, especially in my role as a chair, uh, you know, I, I felt that I could have done a, a lot better job of, of really listening to people, but it requires making time, sitting down, being focused and being present. So, Elon, what about you? I what what yeah, Elon, your response? Yeah, you no, think? I mean that was that was all great, and I think Dr. Thompson brought up a, a really key point, and maybe maybe the most important point for this discussion as it affects neurosurgeons is that I think when we fail at active listening, I think it's often because we're going into a situation with certain expectations uh, about how that conversation is going to go, particularly with patients. And so I can definitely speak to, you know, one of my big failures when it came to active listening. Uh, I had a patient who was referred to me by one of my colleagues and his, um, his surgical indication, surgical condition was pretty straightforward. It was like an L4-5 degenerative spondylolisthesis, something that we treat all the time. Um, but he was a very sick guy, you know, chronic kidney disease, um, obese, diabetes, he had active open ulcers on his legs, you know, just uh, a really poor medical condition. And so I remember being feeling aggravated that my colleague had sent this patient to me, uh, thinking that, you know, the only reason you're sending me this patient is because you don't want to deal with the complexity of these medical conditions. Um, and, and, you know, it was going to be tough to optimize this guy for surgery. And, and, and so I, I remember feeling uh, irked by that. Uh, and so that's kind of how I entered the, the situation. And, and, and my expectation was that, you know, I knew how it was going to end. I was, I was not going to offer this guy surgery at the moment. I was going to tell him about what we needed to do to optimize his, his condition. And I actually thought that I was doing a decent job of active listening in, in the sense that I was, you know, giving these affirming responses, you know, I see, yes, I understand, et cetera. Uh, uh, and nonetheless, <laughs> I think, you know, very much because of my kind of firm expectations going into it um, and therefore being more interested in what I was going to tell him than what he was going to tell me, um, it was very much a failed interaction. The patient was not happy. I met with him a couple more times after that, and, and we never were able to kind of recover from that first interaction. And eventually he, he left to, to, uh, seek care somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, so I think, I think it was, 
you know, in that case, it was about, um, you know, just a failure to to be intentional and mindful about listening to this guy. And, and I don't think that the outcome in terms of my advice to him would have been any different, but his perception of the interaction would have been very, very, very different um, if I had been open to to hearing his story. And, and I think he would have trusted me more, trusted my recommendations about optimizing his surgery uh, or optimizing his conditions for surgery. And we potentially could have had a very you know successful therapeutic relationship, but we did not. You know, I think what you just said is so powerfully important, Elon, and, 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 and typical of you, very humble and revealing. And what you've described is, is how important it is to establish trust with a, with a patient. And, and, and that's the essence of what you just described. And you said it, you know, there wasn't uh, trust there. And if you think about it, again, we don't have much time in our interactions with patients to establish that trust. And I always like to tell our students who are coming in, you know, seeing patients in clinic with me, that I think patients are gonna figure out within about 30 seconds of you walking in the room, whether they trust you to take care of them. And so somehow, some way, verbally, non-verbally, you need to communicate with them uh, that the essence of, I, I, I want you to trust me, you can trust me to take care of you at this moment of your life. And a key component of that is, is actively listening to, to them, right? And, and, and how you do that can be very intentional. And it, the, I think one of the ways to learn it perhaps is to, one, being aware of it, is to listen to other people and pay attention to who does it really well and who doesn't, really, doesn't do it really well. And then, and, and then actively adopt those sort of strategies. And then eventually it's a little bit like driving a car, it becomes almost second nature. But it, you have to really work at it, I think. And, and again, you, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the essence of, of it in, for sure in interacting with patients is establishing trust. But that's true with your family. It's true with your, your colleagues. Uh, it's true with the people you know, we work with, our peers, our teams. Um, yeah, for sure. I had uh, one, one switching gears a little bit. Let's talk about being in the operating room, right? All of us are in the operating room and talk about a situation where we have a plan and we're going to execute it. There's no room for listening. That's a good example. But I can think of a number of occasions just in the last several months where the resident I'm operating with makes a couple suggestions and I start to think about it, brush it off at first. And then you start to keep kind of saying in an irrespectful way, of course, because there's a hierarchy. And you say, you know what, that's, hmm, maybe we should kind of try something different here, or maybe don't do that much, or maybe do more. Um, so can you guys talk about, the, I mean, Reed is laughing. I'm not sure why, but I'm interested in why. But can I'm you guys talk laughing. about that? I'm laughing because I think that's really um, so important. And, you know, I, I've seen it on both sides. You know, I've been in those scenarios when I was a resident and fellow, where I thought I was making really important suggestions and it was brushed off. And I now find myself doing that. I think it's a really, that's even another level. That's like a meta challenge with, with, with active listening because you've got so many other things that are happening and you have a plan, you know, but you have to be able maybe to modify the plan and maybe what you're saying or asking Scott is, you know, you know having a, a small space perhaps of uh, the ability to listen to some, some suggestions, maybe, maybe what you're saying is, is key, yeah. 
Are your, are your listening skills uh, working in the operating room, Elon, or is it just in clinic? <laughs> so, well, I'll say that, you know, unfortunately, I don't have um, all the teaching opportunities that, that you guys have. I, I do some teaching with orthopedic residents who uh, are, have an interest in spine and they can electively rotate with, with me and my partners. Um, but we don't have, you know, nurse, neurosurgery training program at our hospital. And so I'm not with residents nearly as much as, as you guys are. Um, that said, um, of course, you know, it's, it's essential in those contexts to teaching, operating. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's often that I would get a, a suggestion from a resident about um, uh, what we might do during a, a procedure, but I get plenty of questions from residents. And in, in a case like that, um, just as we were talking about with patients, if you want to be an effective teacher, if you're interested in being an effective teacher, um, listening is key because, you know, you may have in mind what you want to teach the resident. Uh, and I think that's, that's often the case that, that we, we go into, a an interaction with, with a certain expectation about what the resident might already know and, and what it is exactly that, that we want to convey to them. But if we're not listening to their questions, their answers, um, their, you know, getting a sense of their, in order to get a sense of their fund of knowledge, then we may be overshooting or undershooting and and bottom line in not effectively educating that individual. So definitely think it's essential there. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it, it gets also down to the, the essence of, of leadership. You know, I think a lot about leadership. What are the attributes of a great leader? A leader is someone who is an effective communicator. That's both ways. Um, someone who invests time, it takes time to listen. Um, it's valuing people and you value people when you listen to them. Mentorship, uh, you know, you and I and, and you and we've talked about that for, for decades and how important that is. And, you know, that requires, you know, active listening, you know, listening to people, not just sort of, um, again, um, got a voice in your head that's saying, I know exactly what I want to say and I got to get it out. There's pressure to get it out, but really taking a breath, taking a moment and, and allowing a little bit of silence, uh, listening to people. There's so many layers of it in, in, in what we do personally and professionally. It's such an important topic. And, and again, I would say, you know, again, don't be deterred. I mean, if you're learning, if, if the first step is actually recognizing, hey, I, this is something that's really important. Um, I need to get better at it. And there are, there are ways to do it, but it starts by being intentional about it for sure. I think that's such a great point. I mean, that's the the topics we select for this podcast. You know, it's the optimizing practice podcast. You know, I think we come out of residency where there's this defined curriculum and we have these defined tasks that people should be able to accomplish to go out into their practice. And then the pot, the purpose of this podcast is to help people continue to refine that and make their lives easier and develop skills that will make them more effective communicators, better leaders happier surgeons, happier people outside, uh, outside their practice and in the rest of their lives. And so, um, you know, this, this seemed like such a, an important topic, if we're going to really, like you keep coming back to utilize our time effectively, make sure we're not talking over each other's head about two different topics the whole time when there was just never a real cl clear communication about what the problem was to begin with. Also, just not interrupting people, you know, letting them finish their thought 
Yeah, I would say that for anybody listening to this, it might be kind of cool to keep the conversation going. And I'd love to hear from 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 folks, you know, of of their own experiences in in you know learning how to be active listeners. Because uh, I think it's such an important topic and it's important to just continue the conversation. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, feel free um, to to reach out to any of us anytime to keep talking about this issue. Um, thank you both for some really profound words and some uh, phenomenal comments on this topic that probably doesn't get enough attention as it deserves. So huge thanks to Elon Khan, Ree Thompson. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we greatly appreciate your time.